today on It's Time. You know, God, I'm just claiming that Americanus Maximus with tinted glass and Erico, that's what I want. And God says, if you're really a servant of mine, you'd be seeking me because I want to send you as a missionary to Hawaii. I hear the calling, it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through the book of Exodus. So turn there in your Bible and follow along with Pastor Mike. Now, notice verse 19. This is really important. If you like to underline things in your Bible, do this. Okay. Chapter, uh, verse 19, it says, And they said to Moses, You speak with us, and we will hear, but don't let God speak with us, lest we die. What do you find here? The people realized they needed a mediator between God and themselves. Moses, you be our mediator. Uh, We're scared to death. We don't want to talk to God. You talk to God, and you tell us what he says. That's what they wanted. Isn't it weird that they recognize they needed a mediator? Jesus Christ is our mediator, reconciles us to the Father. What we could not do in ourselves, God did that. And Moses, uh, then, uh, then they said to Moses, you speak with us, we will hear, but let God, uh, but let not, not God speak with us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you. You like that? Underline that in your Bible. God has come here to test you. It doesn't say God has come here to justify you. you do you understand the difference? The law was not meant to justify man. The law was meant to test you to see where you're really at. There's a difference between being tested and being justified. Do you get that? There's really no justification in the law. The law is a test to show us what we're really like. People that try to justify themselves by the law don't understand what the law is. That's why the book of Galatians was written in the New Testament where Paul writes to the churches scattered throughout the area of Galatia. It wasn't just one church, it was a lot of them. And he writes to him and he says this. Foolish Galatians, chapter 3. Who has bewitched you? You started in the spirit. Are you going to be made perfect in the flesh? There were Judaizers that came in and say, well, now that you believe in Jesus, and our town is full of these churches, friends, so don't think this was just some nice, interesting information in the first century. No, no, it's right now. They'll, They'll do this. They'll come to your door. And tell you to really serve God, you got to get back under the Ten Commandments. You got to get back under, bing bong, the test. No, 
You're not justified by a test. The test shows you where you're at. The test cannot make you right. The test only shows you where you're at. Oh, I wish people would get this. Because you'll have them knocking on your doors. Don't eat pork. Worship on Saturday. You name it, they've got it. They go go into the law. Listen, the test only shows you where you're at. Again, look what he said. Moses said to the people, do not fear. God has come to test you. Underline it. Man, do you know half of these groups of people would empty their buildings if they realized you are not saved by the Ten Commandments? The Ten Commandments only show you how much of a sinner we really are. In case you didn't know. Have you noticed that? Have you thought you were... I'm doing good. I'm cruising good. I'm looking good and cooking good with the surf duke. Yeah, that's right. And then we have a trial. We have a test. Somebody pulls in front of us. We can have words come out of our mouth we didn't even know we knew. How is that? You can be having the greatest day in the world. You come in and you see what your kids... I remember years ago, somebody come up to me. I I had kids late in life, like really late in life. Like if you don't have them now, you never will. You know, over 60 crowd. I mean, I mean, I mean, when you're over 60 and you have kids, even the government feels bad for you. They give you all kinds of tax credits for children. If you're over 60 and you have kids under the age of 16 or 18 living in your house, the government feels bad for you. We better help them. And somebody came up to me and they said years ago to me before I had kids, they said, do you have children? And I said, no. And you know what he said to me? Who breaks all your stuff? I didn't understand that. I do now. I have found they can do things that you have no idea. They contrive together. And if it wasn't that you, and this is why, everybody listen. Advice from my mother. When you have children, have more than one. Because when you get old, one might not like you. Okay. But the good advantage of having two kids that I have found is they will narc each other off. Like, in other words, my little boy comes, Anna spilled paint in the carpet in her room. And I said, no. And he goes, yeah. So I go in there. I go, where is the paint? She goes, she goes, it's on the floor. And I go, where? She had buried it under Barbie dolls and all kinds of stuff that were there. I pull it all back. Well, you know, you got to go do your best to get get out. The point is, is this. God has his way, his standard, his love for you and me. And the thing is, the law is not meant to justify us. The law is meant to show us how desperately we needed a Savior. When the Gentiles begin to get saved halfway through the book of Acts, and by the way, this to me is an amazing thing. We sing early church, all about love. Jesus loves everybody. Go preach the gospel to every creature, you know. We're halfway, almost halfway through the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, before the Gentiles started getting saved. 
And when they got saved, they were looking at each other saying, is this really okay that the Gentiles are getting saved? That's when Peter, of course, had the vision of the sheep coming down. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Three times it was said to him. And he said, no, Lord, I've never eaten anything so profane. And the Lord says, what I've cleansed, don't you call uncleansed. I I know one thing this that I found. When you start telling God, no, Lord, you're in trouble. Not so, Lord. (laughs) No, you don't do that. And they they got saved. And then they said, what laws shall we put the Gentiles under since none of our fathers could keep the law? In other words, we keep bombing the test. Now again, remember when you were in school and you had, you didn't care about reading the stupid book all week long. You read the first page, the last page, and write a book report, you know? And then they give you a test what the book was about, and you don't have a clue because all you read was the first page and the last page, and you bomb the test. Listen, we are bombers by nature. That's what the Ten Commandments say. You guys, this is only a test. It's not meant to justify you. You say, Mike, why do you spend this time doing this? Because you would be amazed how many Christians are sucked back in under the law again by these Judaizers, whether they be in the Bible or they're in your town, Saying, well, you know, real Christians worship on Saturday. Okay. Let's talk about that for a minute. You feel spiritual because you worship on Saturday. Do you realize that nobody today in these churches around the world that say they keep the Sabbath, keep the Sabbath? Because keeping the Sabbath wasn't just getting into a building on a Saturday It was that you couldn't make anybody work on the Sabbath. In fact, let's look at this. He says, um, remember the Sabbath. Let's go to verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you will labor, do all your work. But on the seventh day, the Sabbath of the Lord your God, in it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your manservant, nor your maidservant, nor your cattle, nor the stranger who is within your gates. Six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, all that's in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. By the way, I do believe you should take a day off a week. I really do. Stop and smell the roses. That's why God gave you the blessings he gave you. And if all you do is work, you know, I, I, a pastor friend of mine went to be with the Lord, made a big, monstrous change in my life because I was a, I was a, a church guy. You know, I always went to church. My parents made me go to church, all those kinds of things. But there was a point where I didn't want to go anymore. And this pastor really loved God. And I remember he would, he would teach such amazing things out of the Bible. And I always just wanted to go hear him teach because I know that when I would go, I would learn something. I remember one of the stories, I've shared this with you so many times, but I'll tell you where it came from. But when Jesus fed the multitudes with the loaves and fishes, and he said, he said, you know what's really weird about that? He said, 
The Bible says it was a crowd of 5,000 men. We don't know how many women and children were there, so figure a 10,000 crowd of at least 10,000 people. I've been in crowds of large groups of numbers. No PA system, no cell phones, no texting, no none of that kind of stuff. Most of the people that were there didn't even know what was going on, and here comes the food, and here comes the food, and here comes the food. They probably thought Jesus had a big cave of food someplace. Go get more out of the cave. Okay, here it is. It was those that were close to Jesus saw it was a miracle. Everybody else experienced the blessing of the miracle, but those close to Jesus saw the source of the miracle. Do you get the difference? Everybody around you will be blessed because of what God does in your life, but it's because you're close to God, do you realize that it's God doing it in you? That's the difference. And I thought, man, that is so amazing how that is. But one of the things he said, I remember very clearly, he said, you know, if you work, 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 never take a day off. He said, you know, your body was not designed by God to be that way. Six days you'll work, seven you'll rest. You don't take your rest. You know what'll happen? Your body will take the rest. It's called getting sick. I thought that was good advice. I always remembered that. And it's good to rest. It's good to take a day off and enjoy the blessings of God. Well, anyway, the point was this. It's a test. The groups around today that say, well, we keep the Sabbath. No, they don't. And don't ever let them walk off your porch. Don't ever let them walk away from you without correcting them on that. Because when they say, well, we keep the Sabbath. No, you don't. Because when you drive to your Sabbath meeting on Saturday morning and you get in a car wreck, You don't lay there till sundown on Saturday night when Sabbath is over and then call the paramedics to come scrape you up and haul you off to bandage you up. No, they turn lights on in their building. They do everything. They don't do anything different. And getting in a building on a Saturday is not keeping the Sabbath. There's rules involved with that. The point is, the Sabbath, Jesus said, was not made for God. Remember that, everyone. It was made for you. Isn't that great to know? God had one of the Ten Commandments for you. You're going to take a day off. I'm going to bless you on the six days that you work. And to make it a law, God says, I'm going to hold a gun to your head. You're going to take a day off whether you want to or not. Isn't that crazy? We have to be forced to take a day off because we think we're the ones that make the difference. God says, haven't you figured it out by now that I love you? You're my children. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to heal you. You don't have to be in a big or ornate building. Pile a stack of rocks up and I'll meet you there. He says, and let's finish. Do not fear. God doesn't want us to fear him. For the Lord has come to test you. Notice it does not say to justify you. And that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. I'm going to finish this real fast. So the people stood. This is verse 21. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near. It's the way it is today, friends. There's a group of people that will stand afar off 
And there's a group of people that will go boldly into the throne room of grace, make the request known. I pray today you are those people that realize you have a Father in heaven that's reconciled us, not through the law, but through love. And because we love God, we're not going to profane his name. Because we love God, we're not going to steal from our neighbor. God says, I'll supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. I don't have to steal. I don't have to covet. What I have is what I know God's given me. So it releases me from all this. This is what is so dangerous in this positive confession stuff where if you want that new refrigerator or that new car, you just blab it and grab it. Baby, it's yours. What's wrong with that? Listen, God is the one that gives us what we need. I don't know what tomorrow holds. You know, God, I'm just claiming that Americanus Maximus with tinted glass and Erico. That's what I want. And God says, if you're really a servant of mine, you'd be seeking me because I want to send you as a missionary to Hawaii. Really? Well, then I, I don't want to take that thing over there. Do you see the problem? Who is in control? And that's what God endeavors to do. Father-child relationship. Our Father, which art in heaven. You see, that's what God wants from you. He loves you. He wants to restore you. He wants to bless you. And everything this world is sucked out of us, God wants to put back in us again. I love that about God. He says, the Lord said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, You have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. You shall not make anything To be with me, God, silver, or gold, you shall not make them for yourselves. Notice he says to be with me. I I think sometimes we have to be careful when we start getting into things that remind us about God because it should be in our heart. The altar of the earth you shall make for me, and you shall sacrifice on it burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep, your oxen, in every place where I record my name, I will come to you and I will bless you. And if you make of me an altar of stone, and you do not build it, you, you shall not build it with hewn stones, for if you do use a tool on it, you profaned it. Nor shall you go up by steps to my altar that you that your nakedness may be exposed to us. Now, now I look at this, no sweat. You know, it's interesting in the Old Testament, the priests were commanded to wear white. Have you ever worn white and tried to do anything? I mean, you go out to dinner. Suits and ties, I, I know some of you may have them on here today, but it ain't me. And I like to wear things like this. So when I spill stuff on it, you don't see it so well. And I've noticed when I wear white, it seems that I can soil it so easily. And I usually soil it by doing something, by working or something else. The priests were commanded to wear white, no no sweat, no work. You see, we don't approach God in our works. We approach the Father, in Jesus Christ's righteousness. We've been clothed with. Not the Ten Commandments. It was only a test to show us we needed God. Isn't that great to know that you're free from the law? 
That's why the Bible says all things are lawful. But not all things are the best for you. That's why we use the rest of the Bible to temper what we know and what we allow ourselves to get into and what we allow ourselves to get out of. We want to be very careful in that. But know this, and this is the great part of this. Our relationship with God is not a legal relationship. It's a love relationship whereby we cry, Daddy, Paul says. It's great news. Do you realize the cults of the world will not let their people know that concept because it's by works. That's how they control people. That's how they they manipulate people. That's how they drain people of their resources, all these different things. It's by grace we're saved, not by works lest anyone would boast, but by God's grace. The Ten Commandments, how do we stand up to that? Guilty as charged. That's why Jesus died on the cross to forgive our sins. And God says, now I'm going to do something for you you can't do in yourself. I'm going to clothe you with my righteousness. All the righteous requirements of the law are fulfilled in Jesus. And he wraps that coat of righteousness around us and we sparkle and shine. No longer naked, no longer soiled. We have a brand new relationship with him. This morning, if you're not a Christian... And you keep thinking that I'm going to approach God by my do's and don'ts and all those kinds of things. I want to tell you, you got a great gift waiting for you today. It's called salvation. I pray that every one of you listening today can defend yourself when somebody comes to you and says, well, real Christians don't eat pork. Really? Well, see, I'm not justified because I eat pork or I don't eat pork. I'm justified because Jesus died on the cross. I think I'm going to ask him. I said, let me ask you a question. If I worship on Saturday versus Sunday, what will that do? Oh, well, it'll make you more saved. Really? No, you either are or you're not. I do believe, again, we should take a day off. And I would admonish all of you, take a day off a week. If you have to work on Sunday or Saturday or police or in the fire department or paramedic or something like that, but take a day, enjoy what God's given you. Your body will thank you for it. Your family will thank you for it. And you'll feel better. If you don't want to work any day of the week, then maybe you need to repent and say, Lord, I know you've got something for me to do, and I want to do it. But the thing to always remember is this. God's blessing is upon you. Rest in that. Know that we do not approach God in my goody two-shoes, keeping the Ten Commandments, because that was a test. What God wants from us is that love that he calls us to that we would love him with our whole heart, mind, soul, and spirit, love our neighbor as ourself. If you're not a Christian here today, I want to invite you to pray and ask the Lord in your life. It will change. The Bible says you go from death unto life. And the problem is, is that we do not have life in ourselves. There's nothing that I can do to be righteous. It's something God gives us. If you need to pray this morning, let's pray. And let's see what God will do. If you've tired, you don't want another 10 years like you just had, another 20 years like you just had, pray this, God will do 
as you ask, because he's a good God. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. I believe you died on the cross for me. Your blood made me righteous. And you rose from the dead to give me life every day and forever. And so now, I put my faith, hope, and trust in you. I repent of the foolish way that I've lived. So now, write my name in your book of life. And may I be part and be about your business for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening, and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.